Blog Talk Radio.
want to welcome you to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, March 20th, 24th, 2011. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal, will be joining us shortly. I bet you didn't know where you were. We were swinging so heavy there. That was Boise Queen. Our love is here to stay, and we opened up with Common Ground by Chicago's own culture. Time flies, doesn't it? Wow. It's time for another Black Wall Street Summit. Summit number 15 is amazing. It's just amazing. But Summit 15 will be this Saturday, March 26th from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Room 43, located at 1043 East 43rd Street. In addition, plus, Black Wall Street is hosting its second Black Wall Street National Convention in October in Gary, Indiana. But we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings. We want you to be with us on Thursdays to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across this country. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, just give us a call, 312-239-8835. That's my direct number, 312-239-8835. And, yeah, I'm going to give you Ron's direct number. Call him. Ron Carter's number is 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351. He can never have enough telephone time. This show has a national focus. We will reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place, and we will let the nation know what works in our communities. We want to know what works. That's the thing for this year. Tell us what works in your community. Our ongoing question for this year is, what did Black America accomplish in 2010, and what is the number one priority for our communities in 2011? You know, every time we ask that question, it's hard for our guests to stay on the question. Let's see if we could do it. At the end of the year, at the end of 2011, we want to look back at our responses and um, see if there's a consensus or is it going to be all over the map. We will be asking our guests for the evening that question. Our first guest for this evening will be Otis Chandler Moreau III, CEO of the Moreau Foundation. The Moreau Foundation was formed in 1991 to provide technical assistance and starting community and economic development projects within low-income communities and provide emerging groups with seed grants through the PATS project, Partnership for Assisting Community Transformation. That's a mouthful, and the Moreau Foundation is definitely handling it. Our second guest for the evening will be Black Wall Street board member Renault Tatum, host of Talking Success. Uh, maybe for 20, 30, 40 years now. I'm, I'm not quite sure. We'll check on that. And uh, Mr. Tatum is also involved in something else that you should be aware of. Coming up Saturday, April the 2nd, Awakening the Entrepreneur in You and Me, the Self-Employment Expo will be held April the 2nd, 2011, at the Oakland Hilton, located at 9333 South Cicero from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. He's going to He's going to share some information with us about 
the upcoming expo, after he and the chairman finished powwowing about what's going to go on this Saturday at the Black Wall Street Summit. But you can visit uh, Mr. Tatum's website, website at www.selfemploymentexpo.com. want to thank last week's guest, Black Wall Street member Miss Arnitha, who is uh, involved with the Excellence Services Training and Development Institute, RTW Veterans Center, American Farmers Distribution Company, and many more organizations. We appreciate her joining us and look forward to having her back real soon. That was a real interesting interview. Learned a lot about Miss Anita. Uh, we want to come back. Want her to come back and share some of those experiences with us, including owning that Learjet. That's a goal for us. That's a goal for all of us. You can listen to all of our shows in our archives right here at www.blogtalkradio.com/cbbn. Want you to know that Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National. We thank the national office every week for their support. You can listen to our shows on BlackWallStreetDistrict.com. We're right there on the main page, BlackWallStreetDistrict.com. Our shows are also rebroadcast every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 at WJPCChicago.com. That's WJPCChicago.com. We also have a station up in Seattle uh, replaying our shows. Uh, People are downloading it, not telling us. uh, But right now, guess what? You can hear Black Wall Street USA all over the world. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. After much challenge, I got the chat room open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how we connect. Now, folks, if you want to come on the air, please press the number one. Please press the number one. If you'd like to speak to our host, our guest, we have a question or comment. And be patient. Be patient. Be patient because we have to come to a breaking point or a commercial. We recognize you. Just be patient. Sit back and listen. Uh, Don't get nervous. We're going to come to you. Definitely we are. Let's bring the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago on the line. Welcome to the show, Ron Carter. How are you this evening? Hello, Sonia. And... That was yes. a long introduction, wasn't it? <laughs> but a great introduction. Okay. We have a lot to do and a lot to cover this evening. Um, a lot's going on. Ron, give us an update on what's going on with Black Wall Street. Well, you know, every Thursday morning we have our summit committee meeting. Um, even though after this summit we might take a week. No, we're not going to take a week off because I think the following week we got a board meeting. Uh, and so, but with this here summit, it seems as though every summit, we think we got it down packed to the point, you know, this is the 15th summit, so we do have it down packed. It's just that issues develop, and for those that's going to be at the summit, you're going to feel uh, a, a little different. I even feel different about this summit based on how we have laid out the agenda, talking about the parity of contracts. Uh, We have jumped from 75th Street with one Black Wall Street district all the way now. We got 15, and I think those 15 have been developed. I believe we had two districts initially, 
75th Street and Stony Island and then Madison Street. And then just in this last year uh, of 2010, we have produced uh, something like uh, 10 districts. So it's really accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish. That means that we want a, a, a consciousness of developing and building black businesses, which is so much needed in parity to the population of the uh, city of Chicago. And what's so sad about it and good about it is that Chicago is no different than Los Angeles, um, uh, Oakland, um, Washington, D.C., New York City, even Atlanta, that our population is greater, but our business representation is low. So even with our joining the National Black Wall Street, uh, Chicago is setting an example. The Chicago Urban League came up with a slogan uh, when we first got started, saying Chicago would be the next Black Wall Street. They didn't know anything about Black Wall Street Chicago, but they just said Chicago will be. I did not have a real insight of did they know what they were talking about. So Chicago is setting a pattern, but even as we are looking at our Black Wall Street districts, there's also other initiatives that we are going to be presenting at this summit. Um, and so you asked the question, though, Sonia, what have we accomplished in the last year? We have accomplished a great deal. Uh, we accomplished a great deal coming out of black history. You know, black history is somewhat symbolic, but based on this last black history, we can report from last February this past February, that we do have 15 Black Wall Street districts, that we are on a move of the consciousness. And with this summit, as we have hit the mark of the consciousness of these Black Wall Street districts, now here come the money. And so we're working with financial institutions that's going to partner with us. So when we say we want these to sustain and increase black business, it's all about the money. Yeah, it is about the social conscious, but we're going to be talking about how financial institutions are going to play a role in helping us to sustain and increase black businesses. And so one of our board members, and which is also our vice chair, uh, Cheryl Calvin, has been very diligently focusing on government accountability from the White House all the way to the the State House, and that is that there's a lot of money that, you know, we always hear, ain't no money, ain't no money, ain't no money, but there's a lot of money that is and that was targeted to the black community that's going elsewhere. Well, she's going to be addressing that at this summit as well. And one issue, even when we're talking about health, and what do health got to do with black business? Well, the Chicago, uh, uh, what's that college over here in High Park? <laughs> the University of Chicago, uh, University of uh, uh, Chicago. What is that over there in High Park? 
Help me That's out. Correct. University of Chicago. University of Chicago. They're getting big money to do assessment of the black community. They have already been doing surveys, doing assessments of the black economy. So that has a lot to do with health, where they have received money to do business assessment under the name of health. So Cheryl Calvin is on mark when we're talking about following the money as it relates to the government. Uh, Gary, Indiana is going to be present. Uh, they're getting ready to build a 40-story uh, tower. And we looked at Gary maybe about a year ago to the point that it looked like a ghost town. But we realized that it's not going to always be a ghost town. So it's neither we're going to do it or somebody else is going to do it. It's going to be done later or it's going to be done sooner. So we have took the initiative joining with uh, our chairman of Black Wall Street in Gary, Indiana, Ricky Cease, to do it now and have it done by us. So it's a packed agenda. Uh, we have some really good, interesting uh, people. Um, and, again, the, the summits are about inclusion in the decision-making process to the point that anybody that walks in there have a vote. Yes, we have to implement the vote, but everybody have a vote. So, yes, we got a packed summit. This is summertime, as you uh, indicated, Summit 15. And we're looking forward to it, and uh, it is countdown. It almost feels like uh, Gil Scott Henron's uh, a title cut um, uh, in the minute or um, in the bottle or uh you know, just before midnight. Uh, that's what it feels like every time we get close to a summit. So I'm energized, I'm cool, calm, and collective, but at the same time it's going to be uh, unexpected where I'm just going to have to try to keep my cool, calm, and collective self. You're looking good. You listen. You're looking good. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. You're listening to the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ron Carter. I'm Sonya Purdue. Chairman, I do want to point out one thing. I think a district snuck up on you. There's 16 Black Wall Street districts. But I do say, you were saying 15. One snuck up on you, Ron. There no, I took it away. I'm the chairman. Oh, you did? You, well, you, you wasn't at the meeting. You wasn't at the meeting this morning. Get it wasn't out of ready. here. Ah! Good. Yes. Yes. Good. You know, there's got to be a process of accountability when we're talking about these districts. And District 16 popped up, but it did not stick, so it popped off. Ah. Ah. I'm the chairman. You think I don't suppose to know stuff like that? Well, well, Mr. Chairman, it got 16 on the agenda. I, I just want to know. That's okay. And we need That's clarification. A draft. That's a draft, Sonia. We need clarification. We got clarification, Chairman. All right. Now, the, okay. Th- thank you. Want to fight? Thank you. Next <laughs> thing I want to go back to, <laughs> one thing that you did say, and our guest, Mr. Otis Monroe, is on the line. We're going to take a break before we go to him. One thing I, I want to go back to uh, the consciousness of the black community because, and you tell me, Chairman, the consciousness of building black businesses the consciousness of believing in our community, in our agendas, 
which may be varied. We don't have one agenda. Our consciousness in believing what it is that we can accomplish, if we even if we needed to build another pyramid, precedes our success. What's your stance on that, Chairman? Well, the term Black Wall Street uh, means a lot to a lot of different people. Uh, and Black Wall Street, the name, it doesn't, it's not owned by no one. So even with their Black Wall Street record labels, there's Black Wall Street rap, there's Black Wall Street uh, financial institution in North Carolina, uh, there's Black Wall Street USA based in Oakland, there's Black Wall Street districts and and Baton Rouge and we, we and even the people when we had on the show um in uh Ben Harbor when we talked about Black Wall Street and one example that I have about the consciousness and which I think I've said before is when we were standing outside our office with somebody just talking and this young brother started coming down the street strutting with his step on and the closer he got, we eyed him, he eyed us, and when he got maybe about three feet toward us, he raised his fist in the air and hollered out, Black Wall Street, and kept on strutting. That consciousness mean a lot to me, to the point that this is a young brother. He was maybe about his early 20s. He was conscious of enough to give us a black power salute not being at a meeting, not knowing the logistics of how we got where we are, but the consciousness that he felt to acknowledge the black power salute and say Black Wall Street. That means to me as far as the consciousness is there. Uh, as some of our listeners know that I was uh, campaigning for Alderman of the 17th Ward. What got a lot of the attention, especially the youth, is when I said a black agenda. Not knowing what a black agenda is, but I said a black agenda. So, and then when we talk about a black agenda, it means many different things to many different people. But when we say that we want to control the economics and the destinies of our community, it has a catch. And so it has to be a continued campaign, and it is a business campaign and not a social service campaign. So some people look at Black Wall Street as, so where is the stock market? Where is the fund? Where are the banks? So there is a consciousness, which I feel good about what we're doing. Uh, when we walk down the street and uh, we say, have you heard of Black Wall Street? Sometimes people get in a position to say, yes, they heard of it, without even hearing about it. So there's a consciousness in the name. And then there are other people that actually know what it means. So there is a consciousness that's going around. There is a lot more that we can do, but what we have done has set a presidency of where we got to go. It's no different than Marcus Garvey, Elijah Muhammad, and even if I can say not that much different from Nat Turner. It's saying that this is mine, this is where I'm going, don't get in my way, 
this is my only route to go. Now, that's an extreme to compare to a Nat Turner, but Nat Turner really wasn't no different than Martin Luther King. And I was just doing some editing on the papers just the other day where our co-founder, not some sorry, our, our co-honorary uh, uh, chairperson, Webb Evans, indicated that the last direction of Martin Luther King was economics. And so there is a conscience we have to build on. There's many things that we have to address logistically in doing that. Uh, we talked to even uh, John Rogers earlier this week, this week of area capital, uh, area investments, in which he wants to come on board. So we're on a roll here, but we definitely need these summits in order to stay focused and so that we can have some accountability not only of ourselves but other people that are on the same agenda of sustaining and increasing black businesses. Thank you very much. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, and your host for this evening's show. Our call at number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. If you'd like to speak to our host or our guest, press the number 1. That lets me know that you want to come on the air. I'll say the last four digits of your telephone number and say you're on the air with Black Wall Street USA, and that will signal to you to give us your name, if you wish, and where you're calling from and your comments. We'll be right back with our first guest, Mr. Otis Moreau of the Moreau Foundation. Please stay with us. Small business owners, are you struggling? Struggling with small business tax issues year after year? Are you unsure what taxes you should file to the state, the city, the county, or the IRS? Then get it right by attending this free small business tax boot camp on Wednesday. March 30th at 449 East 35th Street from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Call today, 773-383-1274 to reserve your seat. Spaces are limited. That's Wednesday, March 30th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street. To RSVP for this free small business tax boot camp, call today. This is a community collaboration between the Moreau Foundation, Black Wall Street Chicago, and H&R Block, supported by Citibank. And positivity. And in case you didn't know it, the fun has started. And all efforts to maintain it cannot be done half hearted. Now recognize, they say time flies when you're having fun, but I say the more time you got for fun, the less time flies. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening, and I'm feeling good. I got my mind made up, ain't nothing gonna stop me from feeling this way. I'm feeling good. 
uh, in the early 80s or maybe the late 70s. Um, that he has been in the, in the movement addressing the financial accountability of uh, financial institutions. So where did we meet at, Otis? Well, Do you know? You, yeah, you and I met back in the, in the mid-'80s when I was working over in South Shore with the old South Shore Commission. Right, uh, you there the, you go. Right, there commission. you go. And it was right around the time of 1980, I want to say 1988, when the when when the former South Shore Bank was laying plans to build Jeffrey Plaza, and the South Shore Commission, which at that point had been in existence 30 years old, it was historically a homeowners association when South Shore was predominantly white, and 30 years later it became more of an advocacy organization to improve the quality of life and continue the expansion of opportunities for middle-class African-Americans, particularly, that were moving into South Shore as the area became more middle-class and African-American uh, residency. Well, in 1988, when Shore Bank, or South Shore Bank, actually, uh, was laying plans to build Jefferson Plaza, there was a lot of concern about the mass displacement that was taking place. And so, nevertheless, Ron, you and I met uh, on the side of the people in a series of dialogues that were taking place. And then from from that point on, I was the executive director of the Southwest Community Congress fighting FHA foreclosures that were rising right. in the early 90s in mm-hmm. Chicago Long Gage Park and West Inglewood. And you were reporting mm-hmm. for the Chicago Defender, and you covered a lot of those campaigns. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, prior to that, uh, we have, uh, when I was working with the Greater Roseland Organization in the uh, late 70s and early uh, 80s, one main focus when I got into organizing, we covered and we pushed the Community Reinvestment Act, and we also pushed for the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act. Right. And which 1977 made, and the Humda came in 1980. Right. So it seems though the accountability of money uh, is a far-reaching uh, agenda that has uh, had more like a cloud over the communities, even as we talked about the insurance redlining, uh, which was a very heavy issue to the point that we have financial or, well, insurance companies not only stop redlining but do some investments, like Aetna Insurance, Allstate, and State Farm. Uh, But you have been, I guess, the, uh, can I say the long ranger, so to speak, that has been on top of not only holding financial institutions accountable to their community reinvestment uh, uh, stance, but you have also joined in partnership, and it seems as though you have joined in partnership with some of the same people you have hold accountable, but I would even say another way, beat them up. Is that too loose to say that? Well, let me let me offer clarification. That's a legitimate question because it's often posed to us: How can the very institutions that many other community reinvestment advocacy campaigns and advocates themselves 
are challenging on issues of foreclosure or what they may perceive or may outright have a case for the lack of community investment as well as reinvestment. But our position at the Monroe Foundation is that the approach is not always one of war. So I would differ only with you from the perspective of beating up, whereas there are groups that are beating up on some of the institutions, and some of the institutions need to be uh, gone after. Well, Otis, you bit. have beat up some uh, financial institutions. Why are you trying to no. make it light? You no, have. I, 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 no, I, I don't. I, I don't use the word. You don't want to call it that. Do you have another think, term to call I, I, it? I do. I do. I do. I think I like to say I like to term it setting them straight. <laughs> setting them straight. Okay. And for setting them straight by looking by putting right before them their own data in terms of their lack of lending. Uh, in low, moderate income or, or outright poor communities, principally in the African-American community, their own limited record of, of providing uh, equitable access to financial services. So once you're armed with the very data that they, by law, again, the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 and then the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act of, passed in 1980, once you're confronting them with their own data, they can't do anything more but negotiate with you, and thus, and when you're in the position of negotiating with the financial institution by putting their data and the deficiencies and their and, and how they have not or very limited in a very limited way met their obligations on the Community Reinvestment Act, you're then repositioning their thoughts and their thinking patterns. And so, when that repositioning becomes beneficial to our advocacy, uh, Sonia and Ron, because then it results in our ability as an advocacy organization around issues of public policy, in this case, to present to the financial institutions organizations who should be supported for work around workforce development, financial education, affordable housing, foreclosure prevention, that typically are not on their radar. That's the mm -hmm. essence of what we do. That's what the event we had two weeks ago at Black Wall Street, South Street Journal, when we invited Citibank to a check presentation uh, to, to announce us that their support for the concept of the small boot camp. But strategically, in terms of repositioning their thinking, Ron and Sonia, it was, it was purposeful to have Citibank senior market representatives in the Chicago market in the community relations department to come to Black Wall Street so that as you expertly did before we had the presentation, roundtable she and several other guests of community and economic and small business groups to talk about the work of Black Wall Street, the, 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 the public awareness and reporting work of South Street Journal. So now you are positioned to continue to dialogue with her and she with you and others to what will hopefully result in support for the work and the community and economic development advocacy and initiatives that will flow out of Black Wall Street or our affiliate groups as part of that. So, again, it's repositioning because we became very tired in 1991 that it was always the status quo organizations that were being supported by both the banks and the foundation community. We can't leave them out. So we found early on that the best way to reposition their thinking is to develop the capacity of legitimate organizations who have visionary and new and innovative approaches to the very kinds of things 
that other nonprofits were doing, but they were status quo groups, and they became so status quo that to get a hundred or five hundred thousand or a million dollar grant was just a matter of that funder or that financial institution having a line item for that organization, but never opening to hearing about a Black Wall Street or a Black Leadership <laughs> Development Institute led by Mark Allen and the community organizing work that they're doing, or the West Side Ministers Coalition, or the Inglewood Food Network. So that's why I, I use the term repositioning in terms of my work with the Monroe Foundation. When you met me as a younger man, as a community organizer, we did a lot of fighting here. Right. Well, you have took that even to the point of this um the workshop that's going to be happening uh, next week uh, here at the uh, offices of Black Wall Street uh, with Citibank, you not only uh, do that representation of the community to these financial institutions, but you have engaged other technical services to organizations as far as, in some cases, you operated as a fiscal agent, uh, helping them through their paperwork or their 501c3s or technical assistance. Uh, and uh, even, you know, what I know is working with establishing and starting businesses through the Monroe Foundation as well. So there's a broader – what is this about the Monroe Foundation that your vast – in the financial uh, with the financial institutions, but you are leading in technical assistance as well. How do you make all this here happen? Well, it ain't always easy <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> but, right. but 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 the thought behind that is one of being is our own legitimacy and the advocacy we carry forth whether it's the financial institutions or the foundation community here in Chicago and throughout the country as well. And what I mean by that, often we will, have, we will find ourselves in a position where we have engaged such a strong advocacy and made such a, a strong case for why a financial institution or why a foundation should support an initiative in the African-American community that heretofore or otherwise they have overlooked. And then what we end up finding are two things. One, we have carried the water to support an initiative in, a, in, a, in some segment of the African-American community that's often overlooked, and then we believe, felt confident that we had an African-American-led organization on point to actually present to the foundation, present to the organization, and then we find out this organization is more mired in something that I can't even, the adjective I would not dare share on, on live radio to get my meaning. So when that happens, in order to Share save it. the opportunity, in order to save the opportunity, we often will have to look at either form the organization or help launch the business enterprise that can benefit from the advocacy that we convince a bank to become involved in or a foundation to underwrite, so that the opportunity remains and does not die because the originally purposed group for the advocacy was found lacking, uh, whether because of the internal politics they may have, or, and I'm going to be very frank, or very frankly, sometimes uh, organizations, may, organizations or businesses 
may not find themselves ready for the opportunity. And that's why Sonia and Ron and your, and your listeners makes the Small Business uh, Boot Camp Tax Workshop next Wednesday, March 30th, 6 o'clock at Black Wall Street, South Street Journal. Very important. We're not trying to do a workshop that everyone else is doing, how to put a business plan together. What is your idea from A to Z? There's enough groups that's doing that, and that's a good thing. Well, the Monroe mm-hmm. Foundation prides itself in, as we, as we go into our, uh, our 20th year, is focus on what are the real core issues that are serving as barriers to primarily African-American black businesses, as Mark Allen would say, black businesses from being able to grow, expand, and operate effectively and efficiently. And one of the recurring problems, our technical assistance specialists at the Monroe Foundation, as well as other nonprofit community and small business TA providers, technical assistance providers are finding, are issues of taxes. You have many black businesses that actually have made some money, have not filed personal returns, have not filed tax returns, or they filed the tax returns, but they did not file them properly, they did not file the correct schedule. So we felt we need to address those kinds of issues because it does not make sense to go to a bank, Ron and Sonia, and you have these kinds of deficits when these are very the, the types of tax uh, 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 filings and tax schedules and the correct ones at that are some of the very diligent documentation and verification paperwork that financial institutions are going to go to. So this has nothing to do, in this case, Ron and Sonia, and listening audience, if you will, with whether the institution is being discriminatory or, or, or just don't want to do, just don't want to lend to black businesses. I want to put that kind, of, that kind of campaign to the side and focus more on what's very legitimate. If you think of yourself as a, as a business person, as a lending institution, would I want to lend to a business that has not properly filed the process correct taxes for the type of business structure it operates? Of course you wouldn't want to do that. So the mm-hmm. way for black folks to be legitimate in business is to adhere to the standards and principles required of being in business. And that's what the Small Boat Business Boot Camp is about. And we're very pleased and, and, and grateful to Citibank Illinois, uh, the, the visionary of the market, community relations leader, Helen Hammond Redding, and President Daryl Hendricks uh, for uh, investing and supporting this kind of initiative. So is this here a kickoff, or is this a, a test, or is there more to follow from It's this, a kickoff. Our goal is to, at minimum, hold six to eight of these small business workshops throughout between now picking off at March 30th and the end of the year. And we're going to do during the strategic locations around the Chicagoland area. And each, each boot camp session will focus on a topic of what we have identified through a survey over a year ago as being some of the key issues that are barriers to uh, effective lending opportunities. Now, H&R Block, they're a part of this here uh, uh, program as well. What is their role, even though we know who H&R Block is and the first thing we think of is taxes? and it's appropriate uh, for them to be a part of it. But how and what will be their role? Will they be continuing on on this uh, boot camp as well? Absolutely. 
I, the, the, the Monroe Foundation became aware a few months ago that H&R Block, through their community affairs component, had launched a series of tax workshops for entrepreneurs and the self-employed and small businesses. And they had conducted a few of these workshops on the southwest side of Chicago in conjunction with Greater Southwest Development Corporation. And when we found, we being the Monroe Foundation, when we found out about this, we felt this was excellent. Uh, they're a reputable, long-standing uh, organization, and we felt the credibility of their tax professionals who would be willing to provide this kind of workshop without charge, which is being added benefit to the concept of the Small Business Boot Camp. Now, uh, there is a stigma when we're talking about taxes, almost close to a stigma going to a bank. You know, you go to a bank, and to to get some service or get a loan, you don't know what's going to happen. It's almost like going to your first job interview. It's almost the same as going to H&R Block, uh, unless you really got your business operation down packed during the year. And when you go to, to this tax service, you know what's going to happen uh, at the end of results when you get it down packed. But when you don't have a down pack, it's the nervousness of not even want to deal with that service. How do we get around this stigma of, of, of taxes to make taxes be uh, just as elementary as kindergarten? Or well, is that too, or taxes never will be elementary? Well, I'll do my best to answer that, and I think the first step is education. Second step is the willingness to take advantage of the free educational opportunity by coming to the small business boot camp. And thirdly, and this may be a bit blunt, but I guess I always ask the question, when is black folks going to stop being afraid? Because the Asians are not afraid, the Koreans are not afraid, Caucasians aren't afraid, immigrants, newly arrived immigrants to America are not afraid. So when are we going to stop being afraid and finding a reason why not to come to get the free information. So if that's the problem, because the information is the opportunity is being provided, but we want to have mystery always attached to something, so I'm not going to show up so I can demystify myself and be informed properly, then maybe, Ron, maybe, Sonia, it probably don't need to be in business anyway. It's just like our philosophy. The world ain't hurting for another not-for-profit organization with a 501c3 that ain't going to do nothing until they get a grant after grant. So you should be so committed to your business enterprise that you want to seek out any and every opportunity to be as informed as one can possibly be so that that business can be successful, can grow, can expand, and put people to work. When we had the launch event two Fridays ago at Black Wall Street, South Street Journal, Ron and Sonia, I was in my we had two other uh, nonprofit technical assistance providers to small businesses in attendance as guests of the Monroe Foundation, again, to try and create a relationship between their work, their supported work, and Black Wall Street Chicago. And that was Action Chicago and Chicago Community Ventures. Both of them are micro-enterprise lenders as well as technical assistance providers, both of which provide their services without charge. So, and are supported by many of the 
financial institutions, including Citibank. So it was, again, that was purposeful in having those two affiliate partners of the Monroe Foundation to attend. But again, the resources are there, and they're there without charge. So if we don't take advantage of them, and again, you may hear I said they're not only technical assistance providers, Action and Chicago Community Ventures, they also attended Ron and Sonia because they're trying to find strong linkages in the African-American community, groups to partner with in the form of maybe doing workshops at those organization sites because these organizations are located downtown. They want to come out into the community. They want to establish ties and partnerships, affiliate partnerships with groups like Black Wall Street so they can provide the workshops on financial analysis, insurance, business plan, preparing the loan application, the kinds of questions you just asked. But again, Ron and Sonia, if the people don't pick up the phone, because you can't have it both ways, when if it's $10 or $100, it's still too much. Now it's free. I still don't know if I should come because I'm scared about taxes. Well, that's why we call it the Tax Small Business Boot Camp, so that we can alleviate fears. Otherwise, I'm going to stick to my mantra. Perhaps you don't need to be in business. Right. Well, then, let me kind of switch a little bit here. Given what the Monroe Foundation has been actively involved in as far as the technical assistance that you provide, the the community uh, involvement and accountability of financial institutions, and then just the overall engagement of the community from a grassroots level, what would you say is one of the uh, as the black people have actually achieved in the last uh, year as it relates to the fund? And then before you do that, I want to just go back to a show that we had, ooh, maybe about close to a year now, where we had um, Guy Williams uh, on the program with you. And he made an assessment indicating that the net worth of black people are, is about $16 compared to a white uh, net worth is about $89. And he indicated that the he doubt that the black net worth will ever get in parity or equal to the whites, even though you indicated that you questioned him to the point that because at that time you were involved in some other technical assistance and outreach, and I think you was making people or getting people prepared for more to get them involved in, in, in banking at banks opposed to banking at the currency exchange. That's correct. But what, uh, I guess there's two questions here. What have we achieved, and do you still see that, question of the net worth ever closing along with comparing it to what we have actually achieved financially? Sure, I understand the question. Uh, to, your, to your first point a year ago when I appeared on the, um, on the blog talk with you and Sonia and Mr. Williams, uh, he was very uh, convincing in the numbers he presented. I, 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 I don't have those numbers, and I, I read the same kind of information he has, so uh, I dare not challenge the, uh, uh, 
the veracity of the information, I'm sure, is true. Our campaign at the time was centered around several financial institutions providing or, or remodeling or restructuring their access, their basic financial services program. So, and one year later, that's what we're doing. As recently as our big bank day event in Proviso Township this coming Saturday with PLCCA, that's going to help over 100 previously unbanked African-American families become part of the financial services mainstream. And although they're going to open up a basic checking account for $25, we have to start somewhere. Wealth accumulation, asset growth begins somewhere. The Europeans, the Koreans, and other immigrants did not always come to America with a million dollars to put in the bank at the offset. So from our perspective, what's very basic for us, and I think Mr. Williams, if I recall now, he kind of gave me a little challenge on that, and I love a good challenge. But for us, simplicity works. And if we can get 100 people who previously felt the only access to financial services opportunity they have forever and a day with the local currency exchange, where they will go, cash their paychecks, or pick up the public benefit check, or go over here to the corner because it's tax season now. So now you've got the currency exchange that's got the, uh, the tax service off to the corner that charge you $300, $30 to prepare the loan, your tax, your tax returns, $30 to apply for a refund anticipation loan that you'll get and go right over here to the currency exchange and cast the check. That's absolutely immoral. And we should all, including Mr. Williams and anyone else, I challenge you that if you don't have a sense of moral outrage at that, that, that currency exchanges have, allow, have been allowed to, be, to operate as the lender of choice and as the bank of choice. And I say the lender of choice because off-tax season, you, the, the, lender, the currency exchange now have the title loan and the payday loan services. So for us, it's an efficient and effective and correct, morally correct strategy to sit down with the institutions and look at how they should develop or expand or repurpose their basic checking and savings products and services so that those who are unbanked, never been part of the financial services mainstream, can be part of the financial services mainstream. Mm -hmm. And with regard to our most recent advocacy with J.P. Morgan Chase, implementing a policy in February of this year that if you do not have $500 at, uh, at the end of a 30-day cycle in a checking account through, what, through direct deposit or, mortgage, or you have a mortgage with them, you would be charged over almost between $12 and $16 per month. That's, those are the kind of issues we're trying to attack. But okay. at, on a broader on a broader spectrum, Ron and Sony, because if Chase is able and feels they can get away with those kind of policies, you could be certain that other institutions will find ways to implement similar policies. And what that will do is disproportionately, this economically disenfranchise the working poor, poor people, senior citizens, youth, and others who are part of the lower-income uh, stratus of society. Right. Now, we have a caller here, um, Otis, if we can. Uh, Sonia, we have a caller. 
Yeah, she looks into Black Wall Street USA with our host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue. Our guest this evening is Otis Monroe, CEO of the Monroe Foundation. I did have some questions, Otis, but I surely think you uh, answered it for, for me because one of them is what about this fear of people dealing with their taxes? And I think your response was get over it. We're going to go to this call and then we're going to come back and have some closing remarks from Mr. Moreau, but before I go to the caller, can you tell our listeners how to RSVP for this workshop next week, Odin? Sure. Uh, to RSVP for the Small Business Tax Boot Camp, you can email the Monroe Foundation at omonroe at the, the monroefoundation.org, omonroe at the monroefoundation.org, or you can give me a call directly at 773-315-9720. I know you have another number, uh, 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 Sonia. Um, my, my little tired and Miss Allen number escapes me right now. But they can certainly contact me, Otis Monroe, 315-9720, and uh, just leave your name, phone number, and uh, name of your business. Uh, and we'll be more happy to give you a call back and confirm you. And I want to add, uh, this is not particularly for entrepreneurs per se. I really are interested in helping existing small businesses uh, or entrepreneurs who are actually engaged in their business or entrepreneurial activity. Again, this is not so much a session for those who may be trying to do in the conceptualization uh, stage. It's, it's, this is not the workshop for you. We'd be more than happy to direct you to groups that do those kinds of sessions, help you conceptualize your business. But this is not for I'm not sure what kind of business I want to be in. That's not that kind of session. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Otis. I want to uh, remind them of the, the other number that they can call, Otis, 773-383-1274. 773-383-1274 to RSVP for the free Small Business Boot Camp, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. March 30th at the offices of the South Street Journal, 449 East 35th Street on the first floor. Experts from H&R Block will be on hand to discuss how small businesses should handle their city, state, and federal taxes. This is a community collaboration of the Monroe Foundation, Black Wall Street Chicago, and H&R Block, sponsored by City, Illinois. Let's go to our caller here, area code 773-1048. Tell us where you're calling from and your comment, please. Yes, I'm calling from Chicago, Southside. And my comment is to Mr. Monroe regarding small businesses. You are very right in stating that a lot of people, a lot of small business uh, entrepreneurs are afraid of of uh, filing their taxes or even find out more information because maybe they didn't make as much money to make a file, and then also they don't have the knowledge and they are afraid. So, you know, to even to draw a person to the boot camp, a little more has to be to make them do it because they're afraid to even talk about their taxes or even to file when they don't probably make as much as a, a, a fact an actual store. You see what I mean? I do. You and, have an interesting point. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my mantra, and that is my understanding is 
you make any kind of money, you need to you need you have to declare it with the IRS. And you know that's something that that is needs to be stated because a lot of us, and I'm an entrepreneur myself, have not filed anything because of that very fact. But like you said, if you're selling something, you gotta you gotta you gotta file it. You have, you have to declare it. I mean, it's just that simple. Again, I, I'm I'm just not going to. For, for the, this is not a workshop for folks who just want to be in a constant state of fear. I don't accept that. That's the problem. That's why we're not getting any real traction anyway. on much of anything in the African American community. When do we stop being afraid to just ask the question? What well, I'm going to tell a lot of my entrepreneur friends because I have Please quite do. a few that have their own business and they don't file any taxes. There must be a reason, a true reason, and it's probably fear. Well, so, um, the so, so, so going forward, uh, dear caller, and thank you for your call. Going forward, dear caller, tell you. your friends. Joe Dixon, those who are listening now, tell them. Yes, this is Joe Dixon. Tell them this is the answer to their fear. <laughs> they can be fearless now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I know you're right because I'm one of them. I, you know, like I think I filed for the first ten years, and then I stopped. The last ten years, I have not filed. So I'm coming to the class so I can be more knowledgeable. And, then and, I can Sonia, Rhonda, and Sonia, Ron, and listeners, please understand, you can remain in your fear, but at <laughs> some point, it's almost inevitable, it's going to catch up with you. And you'll get yeah. to the point where you decide to go ahead and start filing a return. Now you're going to get hit uh, with taxes that you need to file for the previous years of your business operation, and they're going to come with penalties or the, or the threat of penalties, and then with that, the threat of, of liens. You don't want to be in this position. So your fear, as you continue to operate, you may not have made any money this year or previous years, but if you really truly are invested in, in your business enterprise, I'm sure, I'm hoping that you are believing that at some point you will begin to have growth again or rebound given these economic times, and so you're going to have to begin to uh, uh, start filing and reporting that income or run the risk of having to, having to shut down your house being seized, your bank account being seized. So that's what your fear is, can potentially take you to, an IRS lien on your assets. Okay, well, look, we are, um, Otis, want to thank you for um, being with us. Uh, I do want us to uh, definitely work with you through Black Wall Street and South Street Journal to address the concern that Jewel have expressed. Because, again, there's those that got their business plans down packed, they got their operations down packed, they know the end results when they go to the tax person. It's just those folks that may represent the the, the business uh, thought of Jewel that avoid it because they don't know the end result. And it's better not to even know it if you don't think you know it. So we want to definitely uh, make the call out. Matter of fact, we're definitely going to make the call out this Saturday at the uh, the Black Wall Street Summit on the uh, uh, boot tax boot camp. And, now, uh, and I'll have a person there. To... You'll have a registration table. I'll have a person oh. there. Miss Allen will be there. It'll be a registration table. Miss mm-hmm. Allen will be there. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yes, we're looking forward to it. We just want to educate. 
Okay, very good. Well, Thank thanks you, again, bro. and not only thanks again, stick around because we're going to be having uh, Renault Tatum come around. He's going to be talking some business success and some Black Wall Street stuff, and, uh, uh, you know, we want you to join in on this on that conversation as well. Absolutely. I may have to phase out for a minute and call back in because I've been okay. talking about 30 people have been calling. Okay. Well, Sonia, uh, we got an earful on the taxes and also that historical, wow, I didn't know we, me and Otis go back, you know. I forgot where, how far, does that mean I'm getting old or what, that I can't remember where I've met people at? Oh, absolutely not, absolutely Are you, not. Not, oh, not okay. in your mind, at least. Well, anyway, you're listening to All Black right. Wall Street USA. <laughs> I set you up. You listen to Black Wall Street USA on CBB and on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonya Purdue, your co-host for this evening. That's the chairman over there. He's a spring chicken. That's the chairman of Black Wall Street, Chicago, Brian Carter. He does give a lot of energy out over here. And uh, you should come over here and be a part of what we're doing when we're preparing for the uh, Black Wall Street Summit. It is interesting, just as interesting as the summit. We're going to take a break here. We appreciate uh, Otis Monroe. I certainly, certainly, certainly do. He said some things, many things that needed to to be said. He answered all my questions before I could even ask, and and that's great. I'm going to replay this show every day because Otis Monroe may not know, and he may be off the air right now, but he does not know the first question in my book, Black America, asking ourselves the tough questions, and i got to sit down and ask that question about my taxes myself. Why are we still afraid? You're listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
we're back, and you're listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, your co-host for this evening's show. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here. We've been here over a year for, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings. We want you to be here with us on Thursdays to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across this country. If you're interested interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give us a call, 312-239-8835. Ron Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. Give him a call. Before we bring the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago back on the air, let's share some information about our upcoming events. Want you want to remind you, all eyes on the, what did you say, Chairman, 15 districts? It's the theme of Black Wall Street Chicago's Summit 15. The summit will be held at Room 43, located at 1043 East 43rd Street here in Chicago from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We'll probably be doing registration from 8.30 uh, from 8 to 8.30, and I'll let the chairman talk a little bit about the agenda before we leave the air tonight. Continental breakfast and a light lunch will be served. $10 donation is requested. For more information, into RSVP, call 312-624-8351. Bring a friend. It's a full day. Uh, there's a morning session, then it will be a break, and then it will be an afternoon session. March 30th, once again, I want to remind you of that free Small Business Boot Camp. It's a tax workshop, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street. Come on over, RSVP, 773-383-1274. That is a community collaboration of the Marone Foundation, Black Wall Street Chicago, and H&R Block, sponsored by City Illinois. And as I said uh, last week on the show, uh, Chicago's Black Business Network, uh, that's one of my favorite words for the year, in in addition to let's talk about nothing but success, is collaboration between organizations and getting it done. That's a fear that we have also, collaboration. Everybody, we don't all need to be bosses. We need to be Indians sometimes. We need to work together. One, two, um let you know, here's one of my collaborations, one of my first collaborations with one of my members, April 13, 2011, Chicago's com in conjunction with ETS Events will host a resource and job fair on Wednesday, April 13th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Fernwood United Methodist Church, 10057 South Wallace in Chicago. Are you an employer looking for the right employee? Call 312-239-8835 to reserve a booth. You may also sign up online to reserve a booth at www.etsceo.com for details. This is Black Wall Street USA. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. I can see you on our telephone lines, but if you do not press the number one, I don't know that you want to talk to our host or one of our guests, or if you have a question or a comment, I just maybe think you're listening, and that's great. We love you, and we appreciate you. want to take a moment out to thank our, another one of our guests from last week. Forgot to mention that Mr. Mike Neal was also our guest last week. He is with M. 
TN and Associates. Mr. Neal is a community and economic consultant providing much-needed technical assistance assistance to the community, and we appreciate your support. He was over at the reception last Friday. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming back and, be a part, and being a part of all that we do. Now, let's bring the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago back on the air. Now, uh, our guest coming up, Rod, is Renal Tatum, board member of Black Wall Street. Now, also, you and uh, Renal have known each other a long time, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to introduce him to our listening audience. No, I have not known him for a long time. Where did you get that from? Uh, uh, like 30, 40 years. No. So we'll We've known Martin. of each other for a long time, but we actually just met maybe in the midst of developing Black Wall Street. Renal has been uh, an activist in his own right that I know of in the uh, black community, uh, having his own uh, TV station, uh, talking success, uh, been a candidate for um, state representative, has been more of a mover and shaker behind the scenes. And he's been an active uh, board member of Black Wall Street for, I believe, for the last three years. So it seems as though it has been a long time as we have uh, worked together and even with his uh, networking ability and his political consultant uh, to many candidates, um, and being a candidate himself, he has been a, a, a driving factor uh, with them as well as with uh, Black Wall Street. Uh, I believe the first time we met, he made a statement to me. Uh, we was at the... Um, uh, I think it was a political forum. I think if you can recall when we first met, Renal. Hello? What are you doing, Renal? Am I on the line? Yes, you are on the line. Oh, I didn't know it. I had no idea. Uh, you continue with your TV statement. Producer. You're a TV producer. This is radio. You trying to get the... The TV camera set, or what's going on here? No, you had asked a question about a statement I made, but you didn't say the statement. Oh, you and you made some compliment to me, and you know when people make a compliment to me, I say, why does this person make a compliment? We was oh, you at thought the, I was up uh, to something. <laughs> you doggone right. We were at uh, on ninety fifth and at the uh, Carnegie Wilson Library. It was a political forum. I think that's the first time we met. Right, right, right. Well, that's not the first time, but we don't want to go into all that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There was, yeah, I met uh, you on 79th in exchange when you had the uh, 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 South Street uh, uh, Journal office. Over right, on exchange. at the BOP office. Right. Right, okay. So... Give us some, um, you know, yeah, we met, uh, but we only have got real close in our acquaintance as we uh, start developing uh, this agenda of Black Wall Street. And then naturally being a newspaper man, I definitely uh, heard of you. But, uh, again, as you became active with Black Wall Street 
Uh, we, you know, we sat around this office many times, many nights talking stuff with serious dialogue and a little bit of, we ain't never had a drink together, though, have we? No, I don't drink. Oh, that's why. Right. But with that in mind, you have been also an activist with the uh, um, uh, with a, a, a real man cook. You right. are a board member of one of its initiatives. You have been a health advocate, a political advocate, a business advocate, talk show producer. Uh, all of that that you have been involved in, uh, one of the themes of this uh, show is what has black people achieved in uh, in 2010? With all your involvement and even as being a TV uh, host of Talking Success, can you assess what have we actually achieved? Well, what what I can say is that a lot of achievements that have been uh, uh, or accomplishments that have been achieved as a result of organizations, individuals, or institutions, a lot of that is uh, uh, baby, probably fall in the category of being, uh, I, I want to say, well-known secrets. But i give you an example. Uh, United American Progress Association in 2009 was pretty close to collecting over a million dollars worth of receipts at their monthly meetings, members and guests come in with receipts. Well, my experience in 2010 was that they had the board from 2009 in the room, and they hadn't approached a million dollars in receipts, recirculating dollars throughout the black community through black businesses. But when I came to the meeting in 2010, they had the board from 2009, and what happened, it it was a little, probably six or seven months into the year, and they had to start a new board for 2010, and they were uh, had surpassed what they had done in uh, 09, and I found out that they did collect over a million dollars in receipts. So a million dollars of uh, uh, dollars were recirculated in the African-American community under the leadership of uh, Dr. Webb Evans and also uh, Minister Raheem uh, came into the organization, which is something a little different, unlike a lot of other organizations where younger men or younger people come into the organization, the older people always tell the young people, you know, wait their turn. I mean, when when I think about Mark Allen over at Push uh, way back when he was in his 20s or whatever, and I think Mark is in his 40s now, you know, Jesse and them was always wait your turn, wait your turn. You know, it was always wait your turn. So I I have seen some progressive organizations giving young people uh, uh, a leadership position. I mean, even at the church that I go to, uh, we have a new minister that's a young man. He didn't have to wait his turn. He grew up in the church and uh, now he's our um, our primary minister at Christ Universal Temple. So there's a lot of things that individuals have done that probably Otis Monroe and other people know about and you know about that you could talk about that have had some personal achievements. And, and, I, and I know some people personally, not only have they had some personal success, but they've also shared their success uh, through making donations anonymously, because uh, some people that's on a certain level, they don't uh, necessarily make their donations uh, known to the public. I mean, I went to an event a couple of weeks ago um, at the uh, Martin Luther King Boys and Girls Club 
which was the Midwest Boys Club back in the 50s and 60s, which I'm a pro- also a product of. And I made a donation, but they were announcing the donations on the radio. Well, I didn't choose to have my donation blasted all over WVON. That was just my personal choice. So I mm-hmm. think that we are making some leaps and bounds, but they're unseen. Uh, mm-hmm. I walked in Walgreens uh, last week and saw that the brother that owns Abundance Bakery, anybody that's been to the Taste of Chicago, anybody that loves caramel cakes, uh, he's well known for his caramel cupcakes. So now he's in Walgreens. Uh, we can talk about Brother Clark with Reggio's Pizza. We've got a lot of products that's on the shelf. But see, you talk about parody. Otis Monroe was on earlier talking about parody. And if anybody's going to give us parody, we need to start with self-parody first. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing personally? How many, how many dollars did I recirculate in my own community? You know, and I was thinking earlier today when I was driving through the community, we need to start letting people know that if you're struggling to try to educate your child and you drive down the street and you see some people like you don't look like you that's mowing somebody's lawn, you're paying for their child's education. You're paying their mortgage. These people just got in the country, ain't been here one generation. We've been here four or five generations, and people come here in one generation and do better uh, than us. I've seen people come from Poland, uh, Eastern Europe, and within one generation, they're financially free through life insurance. We're so used to buying $5,000 burial policy, and you got Negroes talking about, I don't want to leave no money for my children. Well, if you ain't talking, if you don't know how to handle no money, and you haven't gone to a uh, boot camp to learn how to handle some money, uh, whether you in business. See, you don't have to be an entrepreneur or an infopreneur like I am, and I'll tell you what that's about because I know you're going to ask me. You don't have to be in business, in commerce, in industry. But if you go on to work, working 40 hours a week, and most people work 80 hours on a promise they're going to get paid in two weeks, and when you first start your job, you almost have to wait a whole month to get paid for the first two weeks that you work. So the people really owe you 160 hours of pay on a promise. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at this. If we go on to work and earning money, are we paying ourselves first? Like A.J. Gaston said some years ago, which is a multimillionaire down south that owned a life insurance company and owned several businesses. Jesse Brown just recently wrote a, wrote a book called Pay Yourself First, Investing in a Dream. He wasn't talking about investing in Dr. King's dream. He was talking about investing in your personal dream first because if you would invest in your personal dream first, then that would give you the ability to invest in Dr. King's dream and the dream of Africans in America. The dream of African America, Africans in America is to be free, but most people don't want to wake up mm-hmm. and start living the dream. Mm-hmm. They want so to stay when you look at your, 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 your program, Talking uh, Success, and you have interviewed many uh, people from politicians, from business people, from community organizations, and you have had these one-on-ones, and even even I've been on the program. How do you measure success as a whole? And if I can use, go back to, I'm always going back to this uh, uh, this statement that this um, 
entrepreneur. Yeah, I do want to go back to your uh, your your, phase, your your statement there. But how do we measure the the black net worth of sixteen dollars compared to whites at uh, eighty six dollars net worth? Do you look at your show and do you see that we are going to be closing that gap or can it be closed uh, based on experiences of interviews that you have uh, did and then taking into consideration your comments here and maybe some people just idle with success? Well, let me share this. Well, potential success. And Looking then at after that, we want to get that because we do have a caller that want to talk to you okay. as well. Okay. Well, let me say this real quick. Uh, looking at it from a historical perspective as well as contemporary uh, perspective and doing a contrast and comparison on what Africans and Americans, when they was Negroes, coming out of slavery had done from about 1870 to 1910, Africans and Americans, Negroes, colored folks, whatever you want to call them from that time period, progress on more real estate, on more businesses, had more wealth than we have had in the history of the planet here in America. I know that for a fact. Anybody uh, that wants to dispute it, uh, they can call me at 312-671-5653 or hit me on Facebook or Renault, R-A-N-O-U-L-E, at yahoo.com. My daughter is a debater. I am not. I deal with facts and figures. I deal with science. Now, you ask the question, how do you measure success? At Talking Success, we adopted Earl Nightingale's definition of success, which is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, which means if you have a pre-established goal and you set up the objective step by step and you can measure your success yourself, you determine your own benchmarks, you should not, and I would suggest to anyone, do not compare yourself with others based on what level of material accumulation that they have, because I passed, let me give you a couple of examples. I passed by a new restaurant on 43rd Street. I'm watching a guy unload some produce and products for his restaurant. Now, if it would have been a Korean, he would have been taking it out of a white panel van. But by being a Negro, he was taking it out of the back of a Mercedes Benz. I passed by another business. They got a Mercedes Benz and... Uh, a brand-new 2011 Camaro parked in front of the business. I had to ask myself, well, where did the customers park? Why you got your car parked right directly in front of the business? Every time we get a business, we got to put our car in front. Black folks are resentful. Now, if you got a business you got a fancy car, the average Negro being resentful is not going to do business with you because they're looking at your car. They say, I ain't no help him pay his car note. Well, you know, I ain't no help him pay yeah, let me go back to uh, Guy Williams, uh, who I have known for a while. Yeah, he I know Guy from way yeah, back. What, what he, he has this, uh, I forget, for, uh, is it a red Ferrari or for red? Uh, he got some type yeah, of red I mean, no, sports but, car. But and see, so what he hook. stated, pardon? No, what he stated, yeah, that's that's what he stated. I mean, but we put his business out on the street. Guy's not faking. See, they used to yeah, well, so, well maybe guy is, maybe guy is not. But what he indicated uh, no. was that he went and got this here uh, luxury 
sports car so that he can influence others to follow him. And he indicated that he didn't pay for the car. He made a barter leasing deal for the car so that he can be able to impress others to follow him in him being a millionaire. And that's he just said a, that's, that that's, was a market, that's just a marketing strategy. Okay, it works for some people. But when mm-hmm. God sits down with people and helps them develop a plan of action, and that's why we have a lot of coaches now, and I don't want to talk about that so much. That's why we have a lot of coaches, and that's why he spends time with people on a one-on-one because somebody that's got a work mentality, an employee mentality, even with the real estate that he uh, shows people how to make deals in real estate, you've got to really coach people to help them change that paradigm shift, to change their mindset from being a a thousand heir to a millionaire. Now, I want to go so back how to the point that to I want to make a point that Otis made earlier with the boot camp. The young lady called time she ain't filed taxes in 10 years. Now, let me share this. Anytime anybody in the sound of my voice hears somebody telling them, keep two sets of books, just keep walking. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, she got time to make a reprieve, but you got to have records. You got to have records. You got to have accounts. You got to have business plans. See, business is a science. If you believe that two plus two is four, you need to believe there are certain things necessary that is not only a prerequisite, but there are certain things that you have to do systematically. There are certain things that you have to do, have to do. There must in order to be successful in business. A point that I got sidetracked on that if you start treating your personal affairs the way that they should be handled, those same skill sets could be carried over into business. That's why I would tell anybody in the side of my voice that you need to call Otis Monroe, sign up for the boot camp, whether you're in business or not. Because you know what? If you think you're secure in your job, you may go to the work tomorrow and get a pink slip. See, it's better to go to the boot camp and get some information where you really don't have a desire to go into business, but you could learn some things how to handle your household business. So if you well, ever become right. unemployed, now, then you can transition from being unemployed to being self-employed. Or and you talk about your the, business the fact of the success on an individual basis on how we need to be focused and, and what we need to do is, but when we look at the black community as a whole as success, even as you kind of looked at the success that maybe the United American Progress wasn't aware so much about their success. How do you compare the black community as a whole uh, to the point that there is that success of uh, crabs in the barrel, that one get up or the, and as far as they can, or do we look at it as the Monroe Foundation a logo of one that's at the top and reaching out, pulling someone up. How do we leverage? How do we compare it, even to the point as we talk about what Black Wall Street is doing and you being a board member? Look, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's embarrassing when if you know the history of Africans in America when it comes to business. I ain't talking about the social I ain't talking about the social aspect uh, of our community. 
I'm talking about the business aspect, the economic and financial aspect of our community in the year 2011. It's embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing because I know our people did much better during that time period that I talked about from 1870 to about 1910. Mm-hmm. So well, we, have a we got a long way to go. We got right. a long way to go, and we are making incremental steps. But when you got people that hear about a boot camp, and I'm going to talk about the Self-Employment Expo, when we talk about Black Wall Street Economic Summit 15, where all eyes are on the 16 districts, where three years ago we might only had three or four districts. We've made progress as an organization contrary to popular belief. But one thing about the Black Wall Street Economic Summit, when you show up at our summit, within five or ten minutes, you understand one thing. You are not at Operation Push or some of these other community organizations where people come and vent, talking about the problem, and if they do offer a solution, we put them on the spot and commend them for the great idea they have and ask them to take the leadership position and form a committee and recruit some people, develop an action plan, and come back and report at the Economic Summit number 16. Now, we done ran people out the room with that request because they want to come there and jaw jack. But we don't well, we, we got a call on the, we got a call on the line um uh Renal, and that caller is I believe our national chair Michael Carter are you there? Yes I am. How you doing everybody? Okay. You doing Michael. great Michael. We're talking with uh, Renal Tatum. I don't know how you have been listening in on our program, but we are uh, uh Sonia put it out there always. Uh, our success. Uh, Renal Tatum has talked to many successful people on his radio program. Uh, what, what is your comment on success, uh, Michael? Uh, well, I guess that's a very broad, but I can narrow it down. Success, you can't uh, limit it to just one person. If you are successful, it took a whole lot of people uh, to do a whole lot of things and sacrifice for success to come about in your life, you're talking about individual success. And if you're talking about uh, community success, uh, then again, it takes a lot of people to do a lot of things. And what I share with those who are establishing districts around the country, uh, it's going to take more than just you yourself to to make it happen. Uh, and the brother touched on something uh, about people coming to the events jaw jacking. That's one of the things that I, I really like about the Chicago summits is that the people who attend and who are serious, they come with a purpose uh, and an aim, and it's goal-driven. Um, um, you know, in 2007, no one would have ever imagined that uh, the Black Wall Street summits would turn into uh, 15 districts. Well, that's because there are people uh, who operate in the spirit. And in regards to the current uh, list of black organizations, uh, when we started, I really didn't consider them because, in my view, 
I don't care what the name of your organization is or who your leader is, if you're not in the right spirit, you can call it any any Jack and Jill uh, uh, organization for civil rights. It wouldn't make no difference to me. You know, there so, is an organization called Jack and Jill that is based on success. Yeah, I know. A black uh, organization called Jack and Jill of successful uh, upper income that's called Jack and Jill, and it is an organization. Are any of you aware of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I heard, I heard of it. Um, but yeah, I, okay. I it just so happens I, you said it, and it is yeah. based on success <laughs> to be a member of that organization. It is based on your success in your net worth. But I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. I just had to make that point. Well, I don't want that organization to think I'm picking on them, but I, I just that was an example. <laughs> well, they do it too, and it yeah, is a black organization. Right, and that's just an example of, of, of where I'm going with, with my point. But uh, here, here's what I want to say. Um, uh, this Saturday is very important for Chicago, for Black Wall Street USA. Uh, this summit is uh, number 15, of course, and I encourage anyone who's listening to uh, make it a point to spend your entire day with Ron and his, and his crew and, and making things better. This is not your typical uh, black meeting, like the brother said earlier, uh, people actually come there uh, seeking uh, solutions or offering solutions. And as I tell all of my staff, my, my executive board, and those who labor and volunteer, you know, I have a, a place on my desk. It's a tray, and on the outside of it, it says solutions. And um, now that I've turned 40, I, I'm not really interested in suggestions or recommendations or ideas, if you're going to step to me about anything that has to do with my people, make sure whatever you put in there is a solution. It's already been ironed out. It's already been discussed. Uh, and, 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 and so whatever you put there, make sure it is a solution. And so Saturday is key, but not just Chicago. I want people in Chicago to get that in your heart, that what you do in Chicago has a ripple effect across the country. What they do in Oakland and wherever we have a district, Atlanta, San Diego, uh, it, it helps other districts around the country. So Saturday, uh, Brother Ricky Cease, one of Ron Carter's uh, recruits from Gary, will be at the uh, summit, and he will be there to uh, either get people to join Black Wall Street Chicago, uh, Black Wall Street National, or to join or to register for the national convention in Gary. Well, you know, Michael, you definitely is a national chair because you going over the agenda like you was at our meeting this morning. I know you wasn't there, and you wasn't on the conference call, but you laying out the agenda. What's going on here? Well, it's it's a spirit, man. Look, let me tell you something. I I was raised by old folks, and my grandmother had the ability to discern Folk spirit, and uh, she really didn't have to meet meet you or even uh, see you face to face, but she could tell if you were no good or if you were about the right thing. <laughs> I know those kind. I know those yeah, kind. Yeah. I hear you. Well, look, and we so, can ready uh, to wind down um, on on this here program. If gosh, it went by so fast, and uh, Renal and Otis, and then our national chair, Michael Carter, uh, Renal. You yes. got this entrepreneur uh, uh, program that's coming up on in uh, the first week of April. 
Yes, I, I briefly, real quick, Darlene Tate, I have to give credit to her. She's the president of Employ Yourself, um, and she came, she, it was her baby. She created the Self-Employment Expo. Uh, this makes the fifth year. And uh, I, I partnered, uh, uh, Sonia saw my partnerships and collaborations, and, and we, we were introduced to a mutual friend because birds of the same fellas flock together. So it's not by coincidence that we were able to join and work together because I know that coincidence is nothing more than God's way of staying remaining anonymous. So we got together and uh, started working together. And what we're doing is that we're going back in the spirit of our, our predecessors and ancestors sister, sisters, to, to, to try to teach people how to get exposed to other opportunities and move away from that old thing, go to school, get a good education, and get a job. You know, Dr. King talked about a, getting right. a scientific education, which simply means you need to develop your mind into a tool that will not only uh, 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 create things for you and produce things for you, but produce things for your family, produce right. things you for your have church. A number produce of things how for your entrepreneurs y'all would like to have uh, identify and secure within a certain time frame? Well, they can go online right now to www.selfemploymentexpo.com. That's www.selfemploymentexpo.com and register online. We've got a, uh, a Build Your Business Challenge where you can win $500 on the spot for pitching your business in three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. If you can't pitch your business in three minutes, then you need to refine your pitch because when you go to the bank, like Otis said, they're not trying for you to give them a dissertation or a long monologue right. about your business. So, again, that's www. SelfEmploymentExpo.com, okay. and that's April right. 2nd. Right, get it out. April 2nd at the high, at the at the Oakland Hilton here in Chicago on 95th and Cicero. I know I'm talking fast, but uh, this will be repeated this Saturday. And I appreciate you uh, letting uh, us have an opportunity to give right. a plug. We're going to have vendors. People are going to be exposed to uh, self-employment. Opportunities, uh, learn what it takes to be gotcha. entrepreneurs okay. and infopreneurs. And we got over 10 workshops and we got one fun shop that I'm a presenter at. And the question at that workshop is why are you trying to play the success game without a coach? <laughs> all right, well, look, Renal, you're going to be also uh, going to be handling the open dialogue on Saturday. Uh, we're going to have our and, uh, Chairman Carter. Uh, yes. We gotta find a way to get you here for our uh, fourth anniversary on May 22nd. Otis yes. Monroe has been with us. I don't think uh, Otis and our chairman has met before. Uh, you, when you meet Otis, you're gonna have a treat. Uh, Sonia, I Thank think you. I'm messing up. Uh, did I give you a little time? <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I've got to skip over that question. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. This is Sonia Perdue, uh, co-host, our host, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ron Carter, who does not follow any of my directions. You just go ahead. You just go on down the road with it. Well, when you got somebody like Otis Monroe, you got Ronald Tatum, and then you got the national chair, what do you expect? <laughs> Great job. You can set these guests up. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. I'll talk to you personally. But anyway. <laughs> yes, three of them. 
Just three. <laughs> I didn't think so. We want to thank you for listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening right here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN. We're going to be over at room 43 at 1043 East 43rd Street all day Saturday, 830 to 430. And, yes, we're going to feed you continental breakfast, light lunch, and we're going to pow wow it out. You see how... You see how pumped Renal Tatum is over there. He'll be back all over the place. Just come on out. Come on out. Want to thank Otis Monroe, who I think has disappeared, and no. uh, who is is hosting a free small business boot camp. That's the thirtieth of this month at four four nine East Thirty Fifth Street, and we look forward to you being there. You can RSVP. Seven seven three three eight three one two seven four. That's a community collaboration of the Monroe Foundation, Black Wall Street, Chicago, H&R Block, sponsored by City, Illinois. And we're going to be talking a whole lot about community collaborations, and we want you to do the same thing. This fear of competition, this fear of competitiveness, this jealousy, this pettiness. We are not competitors. We need to have collaborations. There's so much to be done. There's room for everyone. Really, there is. April 2nd, the Self-Employment Expo at the Oakline Hilton, April 2nd, 9333 South Cicero in Chicago. Now, Ryan, you know what I'm going to do? What you going to do? I'm going to give you two minutes. You're going to give me two minutes. I want to go back to my two minutes to, and to me, it was profound again that this young African American guy in his early twenties walking down the street, staring us, stunting, and raised up his hand and said, "Black Wall Street." That is a uh, something that sticks with me. So what we're doing today is no different than that little three-year-old boy in Chinatown where he know no Leon barbecue is going to come to his community without going past him. We need for that young brother that walked down that street and gave us the black power salute to be proud, and we need to stick to making him successful and using ourselves to be successful for him to have an example. And we need to have that example for them brothers hanging out on the porch while some other folks across the street fixing up the house. So our agenda is intense, but it's on the right track. Uh, definitely want to have people at this summit uh, to take part. And those of us that are not in Chicago, around the United States, and the world to start you a Black Wall Street district, to start collaborating, as Sonia says, and starting these Black Wall Streets all over this country uh, to the point that we will have our parity, we will have our equality, and we will have that gap closed to our net worth. And once we do that, we that three-year-old child, uh, on 47th in Indiana or 63rd in uh, uh, Lafayette or whatever they may be in Oakland or in even in Harlem, New York, 
that they reclaim their Black Wall Street in their spirit and with some implementation. Wow, Sonia, you asked me and it came out. Thank you, Chairman. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of the obstacles, and we do that every, every day. Do what you love. Do it with the one you love. Be back with us next Thursday evening, and let's talk about nothing but success in 2011. See you Saturday at Room 23. We appreciate you being with us. Take care, everyone. Good night. Good night, all.